Today's scripture reading is from Psalms chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Car tu n'es point un Dieu qui prenne plaisir au mal, le méchant n'a pas sa demeure auprès de toi. Les insensés ne subsistent pas devant tes yeux. Tu es tout ce qui commettent l'iniquité. Tu fais périr les menteurs. L'Éternel aborde les hommes de sang et de fraude. 오직 나는 주의 풍성한 인자를 힘입어 주의 집에 들어가 주를 경외함으로 성전을 향하여 경배하리이다. 여호와여 나의 원수들을 인하여 주의 의로 나를 인도하시고 주의 길을 내 목전에 걷게 하소. 因为他们的口中没有诚实，他们的心里满有邪恶，他们的喉咙时常开个坟墓，他们用舌头谄媚人，舌那求你定他们的罪，愿他们因自己的计谋跌倒，愿你在他们许多的过犯中把他们逐出
we're, they're also praying for salvation through a vaccine, perhaps. They're praying to be uh, learning how to be more human. That is, in a way, loving one another by showing kindness and extra kindness. One of the things that I've seen recently is that these nurses and doctors, you know, they have uh, on all the PPEs and they look very intimidating. So um, what they're doing is they're taking Polaroid pictures of who they are because they're humans and they're pasting it on their clothing so that when they come to an ICU unit, that they can be more humane with one another. You know, and those are great things. And, and in a sense, they're also praying. Our culture is praying to be strengthening and to be encouraging uh, those who are on the front lines. In a sense, in biblical language, they're the sacrificial lambs, if you will, because they're offering up their, 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 uh, their uh, talents and even their lives on the front line. And, and we're doing all these things uh, on behalf of the culture. And that is some wonderful things that is going on. Our culture doesn't use the word prayer, but it is happening. But here's a huge difference between uh, what seems to be prayer and what God is saying. Although our culture is praying, but I'm afraid that kind of prayer is not getting to the heart of God. Because we are praying, in a way, on our own terms, you know? And we don't consult how God wants, to, wants us to pray and how He desires us to pray during this pandemic. Certainly, uh, uh, in our culture, that's happening and maybe in the church. So that's why I'm looking at Psalm chapter 5. Because as you pray, or wanting to learn how to pray, or learn to lament during this uh, time of pandemic, let's look together in the Psalms, because God wants to teach us how to pray. Um, before we continue, there, uh, uh, there's a structure in this Psalm, and it's quite interesting. And as you see the slide, what you see is, first of all, there, there's a movement. There's several movements. You see David beginning his prayer, all right? And what he does is he looks up to God, and he does that quite often. Then, before he makes his prayer, he turns his gaze to one side, if you will. He turns his gaze sideways to look at the world or the enemies and the situation that is going on around. And then after he finds out what's going on, he doesn't just go to prayer, he, goes, he turns his gaze back to God, to the temple, and he, and he spends time with Him. And when he, when he finds God, then he makes another movement of turning his gaze to the culture and to the world, and then he starts praying, and then he starts making the prayer requests. And after he does that, he goes back to God, and he concludes his prayer uh, asking for shields of protection. That kind of movement going back, from, back and forth is not something you know, we usually think of when, it's, when we pray. But this is what David shows. And this is what I want to show you this morning. So what is David doing here? He's not only looking sideways at his problems, but, but, but he's also thinking about the situation and making his prayer requests to God. And he is uh, strengthening his focus back on God constantly as he prays. So that's what I want you to see this morning. So first, let's look at verses 1-3. to three. He gazes at God. He looks at God first. Listen to what David says to God. And look at these three verbs. Give ear, Lord. Right, consider and, 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 and pay attention. And, and those verbs shows an urgency in his prayer. And this language shows a, a persistence or a desperation in his prayer to God because there's obviously something going on. 
you know, commentators cannot really pinpoint exactly what David's situation is, but they all agree that whatever he's going through is kind of bad and that uh, he's in a situation and, and he's lamenting and he's crying out for help. And this is the first of dozens of prayers or lament prayers that David personally writes down in the book of Psalms. So here, how is David praying as he laments? And this is what we'll see. As he is gazing up to God, you know, what we see is he prays in three different languages. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. What that is, is God, listen to me. And he's actually speaking words. He's asking God to listen to him. And, and he uses what we typically do. He uses words as he prays. But then he also says, consider my groanings, Lord. And in some translation, it says, sigh. Consider my sigh. What is that? Those are unuttered words of prayer. These are broken words, perhaps. These are murmurings. These are uh, things that are so distraught. And, and, and listen, if you have been hit so hard, and uh, if there are situations that is so unbecoming, sometimes you may not have words. Last week I saw not only is this pandemic going on in our country, in parts of the South there were tornadoes, there's natural disasters, there's rain, flood, power outages. And, and not only on top of uh, losing life, they lose everything. And in that sense, there are no words in prayer. And so that is appropriate. David also says, Lord, give attention to my cries. Again, this, this utter grief, this venting, this complaining and, and, and arguing that we saw last Sunday in Psalm, Psalm 13. Think about it. If there's these death toes continue to climb and, and some of these death toes affected your family, you have nothing but, but anguish and you cry out in, in utter cries of lament. So you see, there's these three types of prayers. First note, I want you to see here, that David shows that these types of prayers because there are no one-size-fit-all type of prayers that fits all occasions. There are none. Next, I want you to also notice that in verse 3, as he gives us the ways we pray, he talks about mourning. He says, Oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. What, what is that? You know, being part of the Korean church for a while, um, you know, it's typically known that they have morning prayer uh, times, right? 5 or 6 a.m. daily prayers. Now, is this what David means? Is this prescriptive for all churches to wake up in the morning and pray? Well, it's not that simple. I don't think so. King David here is using this imagery in the morning as a do, uh, daily routine. For who? For the Levites who prepare the temple for worship. You know, the Levites, they have to arrange the wood for sacrifice. They have to uh, uh, prepare the showbread and arrange. And they have a whole bunch of stuff they have to do, clean up the temple for worship. In other words, whatever prayer might be bubbling inside you, I think David is saying, uh, find the words to pray. Some are spoken, some are in groaning, some are words that you have to cry out. But he is instructing us before you do any of those things, to prepare your prayers. I don't know if you thought about that, but this is how David instructs us, especially in the time of urgency. If the subject matter is so important, think about this, then, then you need to have and put careful thought and prepare words to such things. 
Because if you do and take time to think about how to, how to speak about it, then you give respect and honor to that particular theme. And beautiful poetry, beautiful prayers could, will be produced and comes out of that. Think about this, for instance. Think about the topic of love. It's a huge topic, you know? And we could uh, say a lot of things about love. A lot of many love songs are, are written. One of the famous sonnets, uh, if I say the first line, you'll probably, you'll probably guess what it is. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And the rest of the sonnet describes what love is in uh, various ways. And this is and this what gives uh, uh, beauty to the topic of love. Now I say this because in a sense when the Bible uh, uh, talks about subjects that, are, that matter and that are weighty and important, the writer of scripture also takes this type of process and time to prepare intently to express this beautiful poetry that comes out as scripture. For instance, let me give you an example. Uh, in the Psalms, there's thing called acrostic Psalms. And here are uh, listed various Psalms that has an acrostic uh, structure. And what acrostic structure or Psalm means is that just like we have our alphabet from A to Z, the Hebrew alphabet from Aleph all the way to Tav, which is the last letter of the alphabet, uh, these Psalms begins with Aleph, which is A, and Beth and Gimel, all the way down to Tav. And each word, each line, it expresses the theme of the matter. Among these acrostic psalms, Psalm 119 is the most famous. The psalmist talks about God's word and in his beauty. And so it goes all the way from A or Olive to Tav to talk about the beauty and the expanse of God's word. Another important uh, acrostic uh, uh, structure that I want to share with you is the book of Lamentations. One thing about Lamentations is that it is a period that uh, Prophet Jeremiah has uh, talked about and he laments about the, um, the exile of Judah into Babylon. And the book of Lamentations captures that. And it has five chapters. And what I want to show you is that chapters 1 and 2 and then chapters 4 and 5 all have 22 verses. In other words, each of these chapters have an acrostic from Aleph, Beta, Gimel, all the way down to Tav. Each chapter have 22 verses, and each of the chapters describes the horrific lamentations of the exile. And it's done in chapters 1, 2, 4, and 5. Now, chapter 3 is kind of interesting because it is the culmination of that. And in fact, chapter 3 has 66 verses. And what that means is that it has the, the, uh, the alphabet of 22 three times. And the culmination of the lament is so bad. It is so grievous. It, it gives language to what's going on in the hearts of Israel that, that uh, Jeremiah repeats this three times in chapter 3. All that is to say is that um, preparing prayers is very, very important. As you're hearing this, some of you are saying, you know, in fact, I know some of you are Christian hippies when it comes to prayer. In other words, you, you don't like structured prayers. You like to go with the flow. You don't want to be bothered with structure. You think it's too stuffy. You feel like it's restricting God. And so naturally, there is resistance. You know, I, I, I like freedom too, you know, and I like to be free when it comes to pray, and there's something to that. Um, but 
is not very effective when there is a crisis or a pandemic. You know, what God is trying to teach us and prepare us is this. Like the Levites preparing for the morning service, when we pray, especially in a time of pandemic, he says, come prepare to pray during this time. By what? By laying down what the request is needed through God's word, study it, and then from there, bring the requests. You know, incidentally, we're actually trying to do this. We're learning how to pray this kind of prayer on Thursday evenings that we mentioned before. You know, uh, Pastor Albert Wong, he's coming to help us on Thursday nights, and he's teaching us how to pray through the scriptures. He's through the scriptures. We, we, we're learning how to thank God. We're learning how to confess sins and make petitions. And we're learning how to contend for people, for the church and the world. And from the various texts that are given to study and meditate. And this is the kind of prayer that Dave, King David was talking about. And this is the kind of prayer that he's trying to teach us. And we're trying to do this. And if we do this well, this will help us to pray well and more powerfully during this pandemic. Now, once the preparation is made, what does David do? He makes that movement. He turns his side, and then he gazes at the wicked. In other words, the community, the situation that is going on right now. And this act is telling us something very significant. And it's telling us this. When it's time to pray, don't just go to the prayer request. Look to God first, and then prepare your heart for prayer. You gaze at God. Then turn to the situation where the requests are made because there is a whole world full of suffering, death, misery caused by this pandemic. So gaze into the world. Now notice the growing description of sinfulness of sin that David was able to gather as he gazed into the, into the world. And he, and, and he found these words like the enemy, the wicked, the evildoers, uh, uh, those who are deceitful and bloodthirsty. These are the descriptions that David saw as what the enemy's doing, who is fighting against him. You know, we look, at, look outside and this pandemic, I want you to understand that it is our enemy. It is our invisible enemy. And if you look at it and ponder what it's doing, you have to realize it is killing hundreds of thousands of people, church, globally. Listen, you know that whatever kills life, whatever steals our faith, whatever destroys our hope in this world is frankly wicked and evil. There's nothing good about anything that would inflict this kind of evil on people. So that's why it is our enemy. And David considers the request by considering this deep need that the world needs, this prayer that is so full of evil at this point. Therefore, our request in this pandemic must also be prepared by looking at what is going on in the world during this lockdown, this COVID-19. Friends, it is still on the loose. It is still deadly. It is still killing people. And, and people are being quarantined and we're having quarantine fatigue, and what we want to do is we want to be, you know, relax this wartime vigilance, which has the possibility of the second outbreak. And um, if we're not careful in seeing what is going on out there, it can easily affect us. So as you gather that data, if you will, as you gather the request, what do you do now? David looks back. And instead of praying, again, he hasn't prayed yet, he goes 
and gazes at the temple. He gazes at God again. Look at verses 7 and 8. And you notice that after he prepares his request by looking at the world, then he looks up to God in verses 7 and 8. And what he does is he centers his prayers where God dwells in his temple. Think about this. We get, to, we get more than half uh, uh, into the psalm before he starts to pray in verse 8. This is the, in verse 8, is the first actual petition that is made. And what is the prayer? He says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And listen to what David's saying. He's saying, Lead me, God. He looks at the world and he looks at God and his first request is, God, lead me. Guidance. That God will lead David in righteousness and make his straight path before him. That's his prayer. After all the things that he could say and all the needs that are uh, before him and all the prayers that he can make for people, what he prays for is that he needs guidance. It's really important. Because with that, he looks at, he gazes at the wicked again. All right, there's that, there's that second movement. And in verses 9 and 10, well, this is what we see. David turns his gaze to the wicked or to the world, and he offers now a second request. And this time, he offers a prayer uh, of what's going on in the culture. And in, and in theology, it's called imprecatory prayer. And what is imprecatory prayer? It, these are prayers that God would condemn sin and God would put evil to rest and he would curse on anyone who does evil against God. That is what the Bible calls imprecatory prayer. And David is praying this way, you know, particularly in verses 9 and 10. If you hear his prayer, I know it sounds harsh, but listen but hear what David is saying. David asked God to condemn sin rather than justifying sinful behavior and to see to it that the plans of the wicked will fail and that they are banished while they are in such state of rebellion. This is what imprecatory prayer is. You know, it is exactly the kind of prayer that we should be able to pray when we see the effects of evil in this fallen world, friends. We must do that. I want you to notice this. When David prays this way, this imprecatory prayer, he does it only after spending considerable time gazing after God and His temple, only after he is filled with the knowledge and the experience that God is good, that God is holy, and that God is righteous, and after... When he spends that much time with God, he was able to contrast the wickedness of the world. To him, it's such black and white. That's what causes him to be able to pray that way. So listen, church. If Christians don't pray this way against wickedness and evil and sin, then number one, then maybe we don't really know God. But also number two, if we don't do it, that means we will allow evil and sin and wickedness to continue to thrive. Listen, in this pandemic, if we do not ask God to cure and destroy this virus that is causing evil and death, 
then you are going to be blind to the destructive work that is going on that this evil, invisible enemy is doing. As a result, we're going to allow this virus to fester by ignoring the rules to kill this virus. You want to go to work right away, for instance. You want to ignore social distancing and think that you are above all this contagion and death and eventually the, the enemy will have a greater window for a greater work of destruction, maybe increased death later on. That might happen. And you know that this wickedness is, has no respecter of persons. Death does not care who it inflicts. As long as it is done, that is what the curse of sin does. And this is exactly what COVID-19 is doing right now. This is why, church, that we must lament. And when death and wickedness still persist during this time, we have to go to God and make pleas with God, with words if you have them, with groanings if you don't have words, and maybe even with tears and maybe crying out to the one who's the only one that's going to resolve this mess. Then finally, after he looks at the world and makes a prayer, then he gazes again back to God and he gazes on the promise. And what is his last prayer? It's a promise of protection. And he's asking for that. Let me ask you this. How can you sure, be so sure that God will hear you and that he will protect you when you pray this way, even though you see the numbers rising every day. And the answer is because you have a relationship with God. I want you to notice earlier as he prays that, that David pronounces in his preparation, he says, my God, he says, my King and my God. Those are so, such precious uh, words my king and my God, which shows David's personal bond with God. And this is important because it's the basis of your prayer, church. It is critical for you to have this relationship with Jesus, with this kind of intimacy so that you can pray. And when you pray correctly, you know you'll be heard by God. Think about this. One of his disciples, Doubting Thomas, um, he wasn't really sure about Jesus. But you remember after he rose from the dead and showed the scar prints on his hand, when he saw God, he said, my Lord and my God. You know, it is critical for you to have this relationship with Jesus, with this intimacy so that you can pray. And when you pray, you'll know that you'll be heard by God. You know, when Jesus was um, arguing with the Pharisees, these are people who didn't know God. They would also refer God as our father or God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus, and, and, and they, would, they don't really know him. But Jesus would commonly uh, retort in one occasion, and he would say this after they were arguing. He says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies in me, Jesus says. And he says, you don't know God, but you have not known Him. He says, I know Him. You know, Jesus had incredible intimacy with God, just like David. That's why when he prays, his prayer was heard. Listen, with this kind of intimacy, Jesus was able to pray. Listen very carefully. He was able to pray judgments. 
and condemnation against those who promote evil, harbor wickedness in their hearts. And he preached hell and damnation more than anyone in the Bible. What is so amazing about Jesus is that as he is condemning and he's, in a sense, praying this imprecatory prayers of bringing fire down on those who are wicked and evil, you know, on the cross, he became the evil and the wicked and he absorbed the fullness of his imprecatory prayers, not on us, but on him. And he absorbed it on the cross and he became that. And the intimacy that he once had with the Father had to be broken and it was. And for him on that cross, he cried and he prayed. And what's amazing is he was praying a prayer that was prepared centuries before him. Listen, on the cross, at the height of his suffering, Jesus had no words. He was just groaning. He could only cry out, not his words, but prepared prayer. There was no freestyling here or no religious babbling. And in fact, he quoted Psalm 22, 1. He said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That was the only prayer that I could pray, the prayer of fulfillment. And because Jesus prayed that, uh, that all the, all the imprecatory prayer of judgment and condemnation came upon him, and he absorbed it and he died. And because he did that, church, that's how I know that you are protected when you pray like David. You will, your, your protection, the, the shield that he's praying for, it will be over you because there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus because it, was all, it all died with Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. So take comfort when you pray those imprecatory prayers. You're not condemning people. You're condemning sin which had been condemned by Jesus on the cross. So, let's apply this. You know, recently, um, I was playing with my phone, just like all of you. And one time, uh, uh, there was a, a screen time track that was on there. Somehow, I clicked on it. And you know, I don't know if, I don't know, you probably know this, but it tells you how long you've been on the phone today compared to yesterday, maybe last week, right? Use the percentage. And I would imagine before the pandemic, it was like, oh yeah, 17%, 20% more than yesterday. But I'm sure after the pandemic, it's like 500% above. So it just gaze, gaze, it tracks how long you've been on Telegram, message, Netflix, whatever, right? And the reason why I tell you this is because it shows you a snapshot of how you spend your time during the day. And this is important because when, when we pray, you got to somehow get a screenshot of how you pray. If you're not praying by gazing at God, you're only looking at the evil world and praying against it or praying requests only, 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 um, that's not used well. What David is teaching us is that there must be a balance. And if you look at Psalm 5, there is a, there's three times he's looking at God to every two times he's looking at the world. And every two times he looks at the world, there's only one time he makes requests. You know, the whole point of prayer during the pandemic is look at God often when you pray. Study the Word. 
get insights from Him so that He'll give us the right words to pray during this pandemic. And we, when we pray well, He will answer your prayer and He will protect us. So I want you to believe that, church, and let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can pray. We can pray during the pandemic. But show us how to preach the way, um, and show us how to pray the way you want us to pray. And as we pray, God, show us how to look to you at all times. Come speak to us because our hearts cannot handle what is going on outside. Sometimes we have no words. We cry, but we don't even know how to cry out. But Lord, show us and teach us how to do that now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.